Welcome to today's podcast. I'm Brad Harbson. I'm happy to have as my guest Michael Wilson, the owner of Aardvark Pest Control in Lantana, Florida. And PCT interviewed Michael for the February issue uh, for our feature in on invasive conehead termites. And in our podcast today, we'll learn a little bit more about Michael and his company and also some of his experiences with the conehead termite. Michael, thanks for joining us. Oh, it was a pleasure to uh, be speaking with you. And Michael, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get into pest control? Well, I was literally born into the industry. Um, when my mom was pregnant with me, my dad was an Army Corps of Engineers diver, and uh, he got injured and um, was looking for other work. And a friend of his was working for a company called Ace Exterminators. And my father um, got into the business through his friend and uh, actually wound up being a partner in Ace. And uh, the company was sold in 74, and then Dad started Aardvark Pest Control in 1975. And when did you uh, start uh, working with the company? Um, off and on while I was in school, and oddly enough, after school, I wanted nothing to do with the pest control industry, so I went off did other things in the 80s. And then in 1993, um, Dad and I reached an agreement, and I've been running Aardvark Pest Control as my sole occupation since then. What, would, uh, what do you attribute the company's success to? Um, trained and educated technicians who pass that education and communications on to our customers. I educate my customers, um, not only on insects, but all things pest control. And then we make sure that we deliver on our objective of providing a premium service. And again, uh, you know, we interviewed you for the termite issue. Can you talk a little bit about termites? Uh, what is the termite pressure like in your area? What type of uh, termites do you deal with, and, and how se severe of a problem is it? Well, South Florida is a very, very special place for termites. We have more species of termites than any other location on this planet that I know of. South Florida is one of only a few places on Earth that have both Formosan and Asian subterranean termites living side by side. And um, since then, these two species have crossbred both in the lab and in the wild. So now we have a hybrid termite we have to worry about. Um, Got to give a big thanks to Dr. Thomas Chavant of the University of Florida. He's pioneering the research on this hybrid termite. Um, he's got uh, about four or five of uh, these hybrid colonies in his lab and has video evidence of them cross-mating in the wild. And as we all know, the, the Pseudotermes coniger, the conehead termite, is established in Broward County. Um, of all the termite species we have, some have little economic importance, and others are and will become very important. Yeah, and we'll, uh, we'll get back to the, the coneheads in just a minute. But, you know, one other question that I wanted to ask you, and, and it's something that we've kind of been hearing industry-wide, and, and that's that termite swarms and, and termite pressure have been down in recent years. Um, can you speak to that in, in Florida? Has that been the case in your area? Well, it, it varies, and it really depends. Um, like I said, here in South Florida, we've got pretty much every termite species you can think of. Mm -hmm. And I'll just give you some information here that I have, and this is uh, actually from right from Dax. As far as drywood termites go, fumigation for drywood termites has definitely been on the increase. Um, last year, we did over 60,000 fumigations in Florida. These are structural fumigations, and this number is definitely increasing. Um, 
have three native subterranean termite species that are indigenous to Florida, and all three of those are, have definitely been on the decline. However, um, Formosans are a huge problem in the Panhandle region of Florida, going all the way to New Orleans. And the uh, tropical species, Asian termites, are becoming an issue in tropical Florida. And we don't know about the hybrid termite yet. So it really depends on the species of termite and the location. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, it's sort of the way it goes in, in Florida. When, when one species, whether it be termites or, or ants, is, is down, another one seems to be up. It's, it's really kind of always been that way. It's kind of a good thing for, for our uh, operators in, in, the, in Florida. Well, it is, um, but here again, too, that's sort of a liquid uh, analysis because all the research is pointing towards the Asian subterranean termite, uh, I think, is going to become the number one economic important termite mm. in tropical regions of Florida in the next five to ten years. Mm. Uh, Formosans being more of a temperate termite, they're not that bad here in South Florida, but you get into Central Florida and the Panhandle, and it's a big deal. Um, drywood termites, um, the particular one that I'm talking about is not native to Florida, although it's been here for over 100 years. It's actually native to the desert areas of South America. Um, that particular termite is definitely on the increase. Yeah, and let's let's talk a little bit about the the conehead termites. The, sure. uh, can you talk about you know just talk about your experience? When did you first encounter this termite? Well, yeah, I was not a part of the original eradication efforts uh, in the early two thousands. I was initially introduced uh, to the conehead termites by uh, Dr. Rudy Sheffron who first described this termite as established in Dania Beach, Florida in 2001, and he headed the original eradication effort. And uh, that's how I was uh, introduced to this termite. Sure. And uh, talk a little bit uh, about the, the, the termite itself. I mean, how do these termites differ from other termites, commonly encountered termites in the U.S.? Um, the Pseudotermes coniger, obviously, is a, it, it, it's very, very different in its biology and behavior. Uh, than the subterranean termites that PCOs normally encounter. One of the things that sets them apart is this is a terrestrial insect that acts more ant-like than termite-like. Um, and what I mean by terrestrial, it likes to live on and above ground. Um, it will produce above-ground nests, and its on-ground nests do not penetrate far into the soil at all. The workers and soldiers forage quite comfortably out in the open and can do so for years before building nests and or exploratory tubes. Uh, the other thing that sets them apart is each nest, whether it's part of one colony or different colonies, can contain dozens of royal pairs, which are breeding kings and queens. Um, the the Nesudotermes uh, family of termite all have this ability. Um, Dr. Barbara Thorne, who um, is now the uh, PhD uh, that the state has hired to uh, do all the scientific studies in this termite, uh, her and I have actually counted as many as 80 pairs in some nests. And um, I've got some fantastic video that uh, hopefully we can, uh, I can send up to you where yeah. we break open a nest 
and all you see are royal pears. Um, they're also indiscriminate feeders. Um, they'll consume most wood types, and they're really fond of furniture and garden tool wood. We've got pictures of wheelbarrows with the handles completely eaten off and the frames eaten off, um, lawn furniture with nothing more than the steel rails, um, hammers and other or, uh, uh, cutters and other hand garden tools with no handles. Um, so they'll eat any cellulose-containing product. Yeah, and, and knowing what to do, um, kind of what we just talked about here with some of these different types of uh, biology and behavior of this termite, knowing all this information, I mean, the next thing is control. How, how does um, control differ from this pest than some of the other commonly encountered uh, termites in Florida? Well, in, in control is very different, and that's one of the things that uh, Dr. Thorne and Sue Ospot and myself are trying to develop now. But um, specific to structures, um, once established in a structure, um, a standard subterranean applications are not applicable. Um, if you were to perform a standard subterranean termite procedure onto a uh, structure, this termite will crawl right over the top of your chemical barrier and it's not affected at all um, because this termite's not in the, it does not live in the ground and attack the structure from the ground up. This termite lives on and above the ground and it can attack your structure directly. In severe infestations, um, what, what we've had to do in the past is, is specific nest and tube treatment and whole structure fumigation. Um, similar to a mature Formosan uh, termite infestation where you will do a traditional subterranean termite uh, application and then have to fumigate the home for the above ground nest. But the key to preventing structural infestation in this particular termite is education and identification. Almost always this termite is discovered in the surrounding landscape before it gets into a structure. Because this is a terrestrial termite. It's happy in the trees. It's happy eating anything that contains cellulose that's on the ground. And we really only find a structure just part of their uh, exploratory uh, behavior. So one of the things we're discovering is that this termite can be eradicated through land pest control procedures before it gets into a building. And a lot of times, especially down in, in Dania Beach, we've discovered that the homes that have landscape pest control have no signs of this termite anywhere on their property because of the nature of the biology and behavior of this termite is being controlled by just general landscape pest control. Yeah, those are some some really interesting uh, some in insights there, and I know we talked. You mentioned education, and I want to get back to that in a, in a minute. But uh, and this actually you know ties in with education. My next question here was, um, can, you, can you tell us about how you got involved with some of these statewide efforts uh, on this pest, and can you talk a little bit about the work that this group is doing? Sure. <clears throat> well, you know, led by Dr. Rudy Sheffron, um, the certified pest control operators of Florida played an integral role. Um, in the original eradication efforts. And though I was not personally involved in that, I've been a member of CPCO for many, many years. Um, but CPCO was the one that coordinated uh, industry, DAX, UF, and chemical manufacturers, and back then was a massive treatment operation in and around the Dania Beach Marinas, uh, the IGFA Bass Pro Shop area. 
And what happened was is that the program was very successful. Unfortunately, the money ran out, and the University of Florida had to drop the project. So then the Florida Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services, um, they decided to take over this project, and through CPCO's relationship with DACS, I was chosen to be the sole applicator in the ongoing project. One of the reasons why this decision was made it was for application consistency reasons, because we are now trying to come up with some best management practices that we can eventually turn over to industry. So they felt having a sole applicator, we'd have a little bit more control on procedures. And then, uh, again, uh, Michael, I wanted to circle back with you on education, because as you mentioned, really that is the key to, to winning the battle against the, the conehead termites. Can you talk a little bit about that and, and maybe also talk about, you know, how you've, some of the, the experiences you've had with the, the conehead termites and how you've kind of incorporated them into teaching the PCO, PCOC classes? Oh, yes. Yeah, we, um, <clears throat> we have compiled, um, I have several PowerPoint presentations, um, I don't know, a dozen videos and a whole bunch of pictures um, showing what this termite looks like, um, showing what its tubes look like, showing what a tree or a vine or a shrub will look like with the tubes on it. So we've actually have developed quite an intensive education program on this termite. And, yeah, education is the key to preventing this termite. Um, right now, it's not a termite of economic importance, but throughout the Caribbean and in the Bahamas, where it was not really paid any attention to, it has become a major economic important insect. Um, and the reason why education is so important is that it was a CPCO member um, who attended one of our classes uh, back in 2013, and his name is Dean Trevisell, and I've got a pay him a huge thank you. Uh, Dean is the quality control certified operator for uh, Petrie's Positive Pest Control, and he was called out to a facility called Sun Waste Management Systems, I'm sorry, Sun Belt Waste Management Systems, which is a garbage truck repair facility, and he got called out, and through our classes that he attended, he quickly realized that this was not a big-headed ant infestation, that this was possibly a conehead termite infestation, which turned out to be correct. And now we have about a square mile area in the Pompano Beach area where our eradication efforts are being concentrated. Um, to continue on with education, and what I'm about to tell you now has transpired since the last time you and I spoke, but through the efforts of CPCO, we are presenting Sue Ospa. She is the environmental specialist with DAX who heads up this project. And what we're doing is we're putting her before all the greens industry. Um, the Broward County Landscape Inspectors Association, headed up by Bill Burns, he's about to have his annual CEU. Uh, course, and it's an all-day affair with like three, four hundred tree trimmers, road uh, rights-of-way maintenance people, and Sue is going to uh, be in front of all of them with a half-hour, 45-minute uh, PowerPoint and video presentation of how to identify this termite. Because this termite is going to be discovered by tree trimmers and other landscape maintenance personnel before it will be discovered by a pest control operator. 
Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah, and I, I appreciate that uh, update there. Um, that's really great information to, to get out to the industry. And uh, well, Michael, uh, again, I, I want to uh, thank you for for joining us, and uh, really uh, thank you, you and all the other folks uh, in the industry that's uh, been a part of this effort. It's been a really great uh, collaboration among uh, industry, government, and, and university researchers, and I uh, really appreciate the, some of the great work that you've been doing. Well, no problem, no problem. If you were going to come down to beautiful uh, South Florida, <laughs> I'll be more than happy to take you on a tour. Yeah. Oh, that is one thing, too. Last week, um, Sue, Aspa, and myself, um, we were visited by all of the administrators within DAX, uh, from Andy Rackley, who's the AES division chief, to his boss, uh, uh, Dr. Lisa Conte, who's deputy commissioner, and all of the people from plant industry, uh, pest control, forestry. We had over a dozen dozen people from DAX, and Sue and I um, actually had a walkthrough tour of this Pompano Beach-infested area, and they got to see firsthand the task that we are dealt with. Oh, great. So they have, a, they have a much better understanding now of the scope of what we're up against. That's great. Yeah, and again, uh, congratulations on, on some of the work and uh, that you, you've got, you've been doing there. And uh, it's really, uh, really, uh, you can tell it's it's, it's been one of those uh, group efforts that, that's really made a difference. So, Michael, again, I want to thank you again for for joining us, and I want to encourage all of our readers to uh, check out the article, go to a little bit more in depth on this topic that's in our February issue. Um, that issue issue has mailed, and it's also accessible online from our website, which is www.pctonline.com. I want to thank everyone for listening to our podcast today, and have a great day.